following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Grace and peace to all of you Amen. in the name of the triune God. Amen. It is so good to be together at last, isn't it? <laughs> the weather kept us apart in January, but here we are now and spring is here. Amen. Warm weather is not far behind. Amen. And it is good to be together. Thank you. Uh, uh, once again, to Sister Connie and to James uh, for your hard work in making this happen twice. <laughs> it only happened once, but you had to do the hard work twice. So we are grateful to you, as always, for uh, getting us all here. It may surprise you to learn, or not, that uh, Pastor Simmons and I, if it were left to us, would not do a very good job planning all the intimate details that need to happen for something like this to occur. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, and thank you to our musicians from Artisan. How about those musicians from Artisan? We are blessed at Artisan. That is one of uh, four bands that we have at Artisan that bring it to us each week and lead us in worship each week. Uh, and I know some of you were disappointed that, that Mel wasn't here to sing until Shannon started singing. <laughs> and then it was suddenly okay, wasn't it? And uh, amazing thanks to the Baber musicians uh, and Brother Julius Dix who is as gifted a leader and musician as you will find in this city. And uh, he was modulating that song. You know you only got 12 keys, right? <laughs> I think he used almost all of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was ready to go home right after that moment. But here we are. And, and uh, thanks as ever. I would be remiss if I didn't thank my, my good friend, your pastor, the Reverend James C. Simmons. Who has become a friend to me over the years and has been a wonderful pastor to you, I know, and we are all grateful for his ministry. Now, when Pastor Simmons comes to Artisan, he reminds our rather reserved congregation <laughs> that it's okay to say something in response to the things that he says. Amen, Amen preacher. Say it. <laughs> that kind of thing. Did I do that right? And he even reminds us that, you know, if he says something and he steps on our toes a little bit, it's okay to say, ouch. Now, I don't know if I'm going to step on any toes today, but you have permission to say, ouch, just to make me feel like I did. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about our friendship, uh, which has been growing for several years now. If you were here the first time that I ever preached in this pulpit, uh, you probably don't remember, but my sermon that day was about friendship. And broadening our understanding of who our friends are so that we treat more people as if they were friends. And my hope in, in that sermon was to begin a friendship between our two congregations. And I'm very happy to say that through subsequent visits, both here at Baber and down the street at Artisan, through the meals that we have shared together, through the opportunities that we've taken to serve our community together, that I believe that that has happened, that we have become good friends. And at a time in our country's history when racial tensions are escalating, I am so grateful that a predominantly white congregation 
and a predominantly African-American congregation has this friendship. But you know, you know white people sometimes uh, say, I can't be racist because I have a black friend. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) I guess artists and people can say ouch too. (laughs) And we get mocked for saying that, as we should, because that's a tokenizing of someone else's identity and body and their struggle, and, and, and it makes it a feather in our own cap. That's called centering, recentering ourselves. And that is the opposite of what we need to be doing. And most of us have been guilty of some form of that. But friendship does matter. Not because it's any kind of proof that we aren't racist, but because it gives us the capacity to say, I am bound up in a racist system. That largely benefits me, in my case, and people like me. But I am going to do what I can to dismantle it because I have black friends. See, friendship matters because it gets us out of our bubble. It forces us, who otherwise would not be forced to do so, to recognize systems and structures that perpetuate inequality. And most importantly, it gives us names and faces of people who are directly harmed by that inequality. So that when another white police officer is acquitted for the killing of an unarmed black man, most recently Antoine Rose, but we know this is not an isolated incident, So that when another politician embraces white supremacy, either through dog whistles that they could plausibly deny, or increasingly through overt statements that make no attempt to hide their racism. So that when those and many other things happen, we who are white can't just ignore it as if it doesn't affect us, because we know you, and because we love you. And we share in the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. So yes, I think friendship does matter. You know, uh, on the subject of things that white people get mocked for saying, (laughs) have you ever heard somebody say, oh, I don't see color? Mm. Once again, we probably should be mocked for saying that. Because who doesn't want to be seen for exactly who they are? So I hope it doesn't seem trite when I say, I see you. Artisan sees you for who you are, and we love you for who you are. Amen. And it's a good thing for all of us that we do, because if we did not see color and many other kinds of difference, We would be missing out on the variety that exists within the kingdom of God by the design of God. And it's that variety that builds up the church and builds up the world. It is that variety that God is using bit by bit to save the world. And that brings me to today's scripture reading 
which comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. This, by the way, was the text that the lectionary assigned to us on Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday when we would have been here, and I would have preached from this text on that day, and I think it fits on that day, but it fits on every day. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, varieties of kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. So you see that the many ways that we are different are exactly what God intended for the church to be. As the engineer types in the room, and I know we have some from Artisan, I imagine we have some from Baber as well. As the engineer types might say, this variety is a feature, not a bug. Or as a wise friend of mine is fond of saying, uh, different does not mean deficient. That's right. Good friend. <laughs> That's a good friend indeed. <laughs> See, so often we treat our differences as a problem. Something not to be spoken of. Something to pretend that doesn't exist. Something that causes the uneasy peace in our world to break down. We treat our differences as something that elevates one group of people above another. And as any serious student of history will tell us, when hierarchies within the human race happen, whiteness is always placed at the top, blackness is always placed at the bottom, and everybody else gets to fight for a spot in between. I was at a... a a denominational gathering recently where one of the, one of the pastors said, uh, in describing this racial hierarchy, he said, whenever you hear the word race, I want you to hear the word Satan. I want you to hear the word evil because all it is is a construct that we have put up to hierarchy the human race. Which is not to say that ethnicity isn't a thing, but it is to say that these hierarchies are not of God. In fact, they are of the enemy. Now, you can see it implied. If you were to continue on and, and read the entire book of 1 Corinthians, which I recommend, although not, not maybe right this moment, if you were to read that whole letter of Paul, where elsewhere he warns, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
you would see that this, this tendency to uh, separate ourselves according to value it seems to be just baked into the human condition. And it even leads some of us to put ourselves down, saying things like, as Paul says, if the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not, not make it any less a part of the body. So whether those messages come from outside of you or whether they come from inside of you, all of those messages that say one person is greater than another, one people group is greater than another, none of them come from God, none of them are the intent of God, all of them violate the expression of the image of God that the church is supposed to be. Paul will have none of that in his churches. Now what I have found in my years of ministry, and there haven't been that many because I am still very young, Not as young as every pastor, but (laughs) what I have found in my years of ministry and what we have found to be true at Artisan Church is that every single person has dignity and is worthy of our respect because they've been made in the image of God, whether we like them or not, whether they look like us or not, whether they love like us or not, whether they act like us or not, whether they have done wrong or whether they have done right. Every single person has dignity and is worthy. People who are black, white, Latino, Asian, native, all worthy. People who are rich or poor, people who are able-bodied, people who have a disability, all worthy. I'm going to say it, people who are LGBTQ, all worthy. Made in the image of God. Did you know, by the way, that transgender women of color are among the most at-risk population in the whole world. They have a life expectancy of approximately 35 years because the intersections of those identities are deadly in our society. What we have found at Artisan is that the more someone has been cast aside and condemned by powerful majorities even as we recognize that most of us are part of that powerful majority. Those who have been cast aside by powerful majorities, the more that is true of them, the more they have to offer us in the community of the one who was cast aside and condemned. For us and for our salvation. Jesus and the apostles honored people whose differences made them outcast in the social structures of their day. Whether that was related to their health, their religious practice, their ethnicity, their gender, or their ability to conform to anybody's standards. So, in fact, the Christian view of human difference, as it is beautifully represented in the room today, the biblical view, if you like, is that these differences are not a problem, but that they are a joy. That they are not a cause uh, of, uh, to cover something up, but that they are a cause to celebrate. That they are a feature of how God made the world. They are a part of God's design. Part of the beautiful work of art that is the created order. These human differences are not intended by God as a method of sorting people by order of importance or of value but rather as a way of creating a mosaic 
of the divine image, God's masterpiece. A mosaic is one of my favorite works of art because you can take all these broken pieces of glass or pottery, everything that was, that was cast aside from the, the, the works of art that didn't come out the way they wanted them to, everything that was broken, everything that seemed to have no purpose, gets put together in this beautiful way and where every single one of these pieces on its own might be meaningless, when they all come together, they create something even more beautiful. And it's almost as if what we thought was a mistake was God's beauty all along. And if any favoritism is shown in the kingdom of the one who was cast aside and condemned, it is never to the powerful. It is never to the widely accepted or to the rich, to the expert, to the healthy, to the well-fed. If any favoritism is shown, it is always to the poor, to the downtrodden, to the outcast. And the last are made first not so that they can rule over those who ruled over them, but so that true equality and justice will prevail in the world just as God always intended that it would. And so I return to the friendship between our two congregations. Thank you for being a friend to me and to Artisan Church. Thank you for inviting us into this sacred sanctuary. I have begun to realize how sacred a place this is for those of you who call it your home. And it's not lost on me that when you invite a a whole bunch of white people into this room, (laughs) that that changes somehow. And so it is a gift that you give us to invite us into this sacred space and we are grateful Amen. and we sincerely hope that you have found joy in this friendship as well and that somehow in our own way you have benefited and changed from being part of this mosaic just as we have thank you to you and thanks be to God Amen. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.